wow, I just feel so encouraged by all that God is just speaking to us about this morning. And I'm just really excited that um, that as we come into this 40 day and the scripture that we are going to go towards today is exactly around the believers gathering to pray. And, you know, it's where God's led us and just feels so timely in this moment. And if you've been with us kind of over the last few weeks, you'll know that we've been going through Acts chapter three and four, which really tells one single story, uh, which starts as Peter and John go to the temple uh, and on their way, they encounter this man who's not been able to walk since birth. And there's this moment of dramatic healing uh, on their way to the temple at the beginning of chapter three that opens up this incredible opportunity for Peter to preach the gospel of Jesus and to witness about him and all that he has done. Um, but as you know, from the start of chapter four, that lands have been trouble with the kind of religious rulers of the day. They're not happy that these kind of uh, these, these men and women are going around preaching about Jesus Christ and about his resurrection. And so they end up landing themselves in prison for a night, Peter and John, uh, where they kind of get interrogated by the by the religious elite. Uh, and they kind of get threatened to say, you need to stop talking about Jesus. And um, and, and the people just go and Peter and John say, well, you know, we, we're going to obey Jesus and God, not what you tell us to do. And so they're, they're then released the following morning and they head back to their community. And it's fascinating that the first thing that they do when they gather together is to pray. That as they are reunited as a community of God's people, the thing that is their default reaction is to pray. Now, remember that these men and women are apprentices of Jesus that Peter and John and many of the other disciples had been with Jesus for three years and they had watched and witnessed Jesus live a life of prayer that they now adopt as a community. And as we go through this passage today, one of the things that you're going to see is there are echoes of the Lord's Prayer through how these believers pray. And you remember in, in Matthew 6 or, or Luke 11, the disciples say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus then gives them the prayer that we now know as the Lord's Prayer, and, and he taught them what it means to pray. And right here, as they get hold of prayer, the, not so much the language exactly, but the structure and the emphasis and the things that they pray about exactly echo the, the, the things that Jesus taught them. And isn't that exactly what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to, to take his teaching and his way of life and to adopt them as our own, to do what he did? to become like him and to learn from him, to take what he did and adopt it in our own way of living. And, and I just think when we read the book of Acts, we see this amazing hunger and desire in the early church for prayer. It was definitely not a duty, but a delight. And in reality, no wonder that prayer was so important to them. They were a community that were on the front line of mission. They were a community that was seeing the kingdom of heaven breaking out uh, in their midst after the day of Pentecost. They were facing threats and persecution. And the reality is that nothing will create and sustain a desire for prayer like being on mission together as God's people. And I think the early church saw prayer was like the fuel that stoked the fire of mission in them. And prayer is so essential for a community that sees its role in the context of the Great Commission. The early church found itself on the front line of mission, which drove them into prayer, which then catapulted them back out into the mission of God. Prayer was like the fuel that, that kept on stoking the fire of mission 
into them. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 23 to 31, which I'll read out. Uh, you can follow along where you are if you've got a Bible in front of you. When they were released, they went to their friends and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage? This is Psalm 2 that they're quoting. And the peoples plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So here they do. They, they come together after they uh, Peter and John get released and they lift up their voices together. And that word together there just means with one accord in harmony and in unity. I don't think they were all saying the same prayer. What, 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 the, what Luke is writing here is actually they lifted their voices in harmony and in unison and in one accord. There was a there was a unity about their purpose in prayer. And as they start to pray, what is it that flows from them? but worship and adoration. I love what God's been bringing to us this morning, that actually as they come to pray, the first thing that is on their lips is worship and praise and declaration of who Jesus is, who the Father is. Doesn't that just sound so much like the Lord, beginning of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus had taught them, where Jesus said, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Can't you hear the echoes of the Lord's prayer in how they are praying? And they start off by saying sovereign Lord, which means God, the one who is the only and true God, the master over everything, the one who is in control of all things, the one who, who is sovereign and reigning and ruling. That's their starting position, recognizing that they come to a God who is reigning and ruling over all things. And as they continue to worship and adore, they, they speak of, of this, of, of who God is as this creator over all things. They say this in verse 20, in 24, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They, they, they first speak about the sovereignty of God. Then they speak about the fact that he's the creator of all things. And then they thirdly talk about the fact that Jesus is the holy and anointed one to whom all of scripture is pointing towards. They quote Psalm 2, why do the Gentiles rage? And they go on to quote that, and then they say, Jesus Christ is the anointed one who is spoken about in Psalm 2, that Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the Israelites gathered together against, but Jesus is the Lord and the anointed one who is prophesied about in Psalm 2. Two. So here we have right at the start of this prayer that they do, this uh, adoration and worship and declaration of the fact that God is sovereign and creator and that Jesus is 
the holy and anointed one. God is holy and majestic. He holds all things together. He's the creator and sustainer, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power, it says in Hebrews. And I just want to read something from 1 Timothy that I've really been living with uh, over the past few weeks. I shared it in the prayer meeting this morning. This is Paul writing to Timothy at the end of uh, the letter, his first letter to Timothy. He, God, who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honour and eternal dominion. Amen. And I just really want to, I feel provoked into this, I want to encourage us into this, that like the early church, as we come into prayer over these 40 days, we too are invited to come with hearts of adoration and worship. I know personally, my own prayer life, I can be quick to ask and slow to worship. I can be quick to come and say, God, would you do these things? And I can be slow to come and say, God, I'm here to worship and adore you. Isn't it interesting that most of the prayer that in this passage is actually worship and adoration to God and who he is? And I love what Kaz said earlier. We were made to worship when all is said and done. When Jesus has returned and made all things new, one of the things that will go on into all eternity will be worship of God. And so as we approach this 40 days of prayer, let's be quick to do the very thing that we were made for, worship and adoration of our King. And as they continue in prayer, they turn their uh, they turn their prayer into one a petition or asking of God. And uh, Pete Gregg, who many of you will know, who's the kind of founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, he writes this, our primary privilege as God's children is to ask audaciously and repeatedly for everything we need, expecting him to answer naturally or supernaturally. We're invited to ask for daily necessities and for things that shake the nations. We're invited to pray for ourselves and to pray for others. We're invited to pray for natural things we need like food and shelter, but supernatural things like healing and justice and salvation. But one of the things that's really striking about this passage is there's three things that the church cry out to God for in this moment. And I think it's what I feel like God really wants to speak to us about this. They pray for boldness to witness about Jesus. They pray for God to perform signs and wonders, and they pray for God to heal people. None of those three things are for their own benefit or comfort or glory. None of those things are things that they personally need. They are all about the advance of God's kingdom. Now, please don't mishear me. We are invited through scripture to pray for all things the lord's prayer teaches us to pray for our daily bread the lord's prayer invites us to pray for forgiveness the lord's prayer invites us to pray for protection from the evil one and philippians 4 6 says in everything by prayer and supplication make your requests known to god so there is nothing wrong with praying for things that we need personally but i think there's something to get hold of from the early church here that i want to invite and call us into about what they valued in prayer your kingdom come 
is the cry of their hearts over and over and over again. The daily bread that they longed for was actually boldness to witness about Jesus. And I think this is the kind of prayer of a community, not individuals, but a community who are so gripped and whose main passion is to fulfill and play their role in the Great Commission, that what they want to see and what they're asking God for is boldness and for the kingdom of heaven to break out on earth as it is in heaven. I think their main passion was to see the message of Jesus Christ spread far and wide uh, in their community from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, that the requests that they make to God are, God, fill us with your spirit for boldness and come and perform signs and wonders and bring healing. And one thing that's really fascinating about this prayer is it seems like this is the kind of prayer that opens the floodgates of heaven very, very quickly. When they had prayed, the room was shaken and they were filled with the spirit and they went and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I don't know about you, but this kind of deeply provokes me in my own prayer life and what it is I'm praying for. How much of my own personal prayer life is one of crying out, God, give me boldness to be uh, uh, on mission for you. God, let your kingdom come in the spheres of influence in which I find myself in. As I said earlier, there's nothing wrong with praying for the things we need personally. But when we see ourselves primarily as a sent people on mission into the places that we live and work and the places that we go, I think the primary prayer, the primary focus of our prayer life becomes one of God, let your kingdom come and use me in whatever way that can and I feel like God wants to reshape some of my prayer life over these 40 days to be actually much more aligned to this kind of prayer in Acts 4 here of one of saying, God, allow, give me boldness to witness. Let your kingdom come, bring healing and signs and wonders in and through your people in these days. And the reality is we have this amazing opportunity in these 40 days for a prayer to become like our renewed priority and passion as a community to form new rhythms of prayer in our own lives to or to refocus our prayer life over these coming 40 days whatever your starting position might be whether you have an amazing rhythm of prayer or whether you really struggle to find ways to connect with God there is an invitation over these 40 days to come before God and to form life-changing habits of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to worship and to adore him and to ask things of him and to say, God, let your kingdom come in and through me and in and through us as a community. In six weeks, we can develop life transforming habits and rhythms of prayer that will change us for good, I believe. And I want to encourage us over these days to be bold and saying, God, would you allow my prayer life to reflect your heart? Would you allow my prayer life to be one of your kingdom come, your will be done, that through me, the message of Jesus might go forth. And as we as leaders talk and dream about the future, the thing that most grips us about the future of the church is one of a mobilized kingdom minded people where we see ourselves primarily as a sent people into the everyday, everywhere of the town that he has called us into to go and proclaim the message of Jesus. And I believe prayer is the fuel that will stoke the fire of mission in us.
And over these 40 days, what I'm believing for is a move of prayer that will drive us and lead us into a move of mission that will in turn catapult us back into prayer that will again fuel us into mission. I'm longing God over these days for a move of prayer that will, in, that will call us into a move of mission. And I just believe that God wants to do amazing things in these 40 days. I'm convinced that he wants to speak to us personally and collectively. I really believe, and I want to speak this over us over these 40 days, that God wants to um, put new dreams into us as a community, into some of you listening. There are dreams and things of the kingdom that he wants to put into you over these 40 days, that, that as you're seeking him in prayer, as you're worshiping, he's going to start to speak to you and say, my son, my daughter, this is what I made you for. This is what I want you to invest in, in the kingdom in the days ahead. He's going to birth them. And for some people, there's going to be dreams that are dormant, that he's going to bring to the surface, like a volcano that starts to erupt in you, that as you give yourselves to prayer, over these 40 days there's going to be dreams that have become suppressed that suddenly explode to new life I believe I believe he wants to give us fresh prophetic imagination in these 40 days to dream of what it means for a people to be kingdom-minded and on mission and to say Jesus would you use us to be boldly witnessing about you and that your kingdom would come in Swindon and you would bring transformation into this town what an amazing moment this is to give ourselves to prayer, a move of prayer that will lead to a move of mission in us as a community. Let's be quick to worship. Let's be quick to adore him. Let's be quick to ask of him. Let's lay things before him over these 40 days. Allow him to speak to us and birth dreams and visions of how he wants to use each one of us as missionaries, as sent people into this great place that he has called us too. I'm really, as you can tell, really excited about how God is going to uh, shape us as a community over these 40 days. It is so significant, the timing of these days, that before we even think about what life out of lockdown looks like, that we're saying, God, would you do something in us through prayer of worship and adoration and that will lead us to himself and lead us into the things of his kingdom that he wants to use us for. I believe he's going to speak to you personally and he's going to birth dreams. And I want to speak that and prophesy that over us as a community in these 40 days. Amen.